following is a vintage broadcasting publication presented by Frank Goss. The following podcast is entitled Dewey's Dumbing Down of the American Children. This series is concentrated on the state of public education in the United States of America. I've enjoyed doing this podcast and being able to voice my opinion on certain things. This is literally the only voice I have. I'm not an educated individual. I am not uh, blessed with doctorates and uh, degrees. But I do know how to read, and I do know how to study, and I do know how to think through things. And I've been watching for the past number of years, as I've grown older, on how our nation is slipping. And it has ceased to slip and is in complete freefall right now. And the days are dark. People mock that opinion. They mock that attitude. Uh, but these are the people who also support Marxism and hold to perversions of every sort. And I don't. I take a conservative position in my view, a Christian view. I hold to biblical truth and believe God uh, has done wonders for man, and that God has created all that we know and see, and that God is sovereign. I believe these things without hesitation or shame. And when you see something good, you want to stand up and clap and cheer and applaud. And over the past few years, it's been difficult to stand up and applaud. But just this past November 2nd, we saw something good. Uh, there was a good sign and a great indication that people are finally being shaken awake. The conservative media is making this victory out to be akin to Hannibal's victory in the Battle of Cana. That victory left 50,000 dead Romans killed by a much smaller army. And most generals would have retreated but Hannibal pressed on. General Mark Milley would have put his finger to the wind and perhaps would have gone with the Romans. But Hannibal was a leader, not a wimpish, groveling, political bottom feeder. He stood and took every precaution and had a real determination to fight. I don't know if Glenn Youngkin is akin to Hannibal, but he stood and he fought and he won. His ability to run a campaign has impressed the nation and has given us a moment of hope. But this minute of victory now is over. The Super Bowl has been won. What do the players do afterwards? The sweet taste of triumph over a tyrannical regime is indeed something to savor. The moment is gone, and now we have to look to the future and see how we're going to set ourselves. Already, Mr. Yunkin, Governor Glenn Yunkin, is being accused of racism, radicalism, Trumpism, and lies. The Democrats are labeling his win as a populist revolt that's only temporary, an anomaly. They've decided to double down and press twice as hard and twice as fast on their crooked and perverted agenda. Glenn Youngkin's running points were fabrication and misrepresentation of the fact, according to the Marxist media. He played hard on the emotions of the suburbanites, and he appealed to their fears, according to the Marxist media. Van Jones, the man that Jeff Bezos gave $100 million, and also the first professed communist, which is the antithesis to all things American, he was the first communist to be appointed to a national post by none other than Barack Obama. These things scream out, and yet we, we don't see them. He commented that COVID-19 has a new variant, and it's called the Glenn Youngkin variant. He's a disease that finds its origin in Donald Trump, and it spreads a lot quicker. 
CSN, ABC, NBC, and NSNBC, and all the Marxist outlets in the media are reeling. They've been speechless. The victory is not just an aberration. It's a complete rejection of all things Biden. Virginia has just declared their total rejection of Joe Biden. In considering the election of the governor, one must also look at the down ballot. How did the people respond? Well, Winsome Sears, a black woman, a black female, became the first female lieutenant governor in the history of Virginia. She stands with America first and holds tight to American values. She strongly opposes abortion and supports gun rights to bastions the Marxist despise. I would think that Virginians would be ashamed and embarrassed and embarrassed and from the results of the governor election in 2021 <clears throat> over the past number of years if you consider Virginia politics you'd think that Virginians being decent and respectable people would be ashamed and embarrassed by those who have led their state. And in all honesty, from the results of the governor election in 2021, it would appear that the people of the Commonwealth had had enough of American Marxism. And let's hope that it is a profound conviction and not just a momentarily momentary expression of emotional frustration. Let's join them, you and me, let's join them in planting the flag on the flanking heel and stand ready and prepared for the coming battle. For the past 16 years, with the shift in population and thus political position, Virginia, the once proud and mighty, has fallen. It fell from its once high perch of historical, historical respectability due to the lack of true statesmanship that served in the capital in Richmond. But let's take a quick look at these past few governors. Let's consider. Let's consider Mark Warner. Mark Warner. Mark Warner is a true socialist Democrat which is simply a polite title for a Marxist. Today, in 2021, Warner is considered to be the linchpin in the socialist-controlled Senate. He is no conservative, and never has been. Make no mistake, he's not a moderate liberal. Warner is strategically tied to Bernie Sanders in his effort to fundamentally reshape American capitalism, something Sanders despises, and something Obama hated. Bernie Sanders is a committed Marxist, which is well known in Washington. Warner is also one of the most wealthy members of the Senate, having made his fortune, ironically, in a free market capitalistic society, the one that he wishes to destroy. We should not be so simple-minded as to think that his views somehow have morphed since he left the governor's mansion in Richmond. No, he held these positions while in Richmond. The paradigm of the people in Virginia, though, has been sharply turned over the past few years, towards extreme Marxist views, and the decay has been evidenced in the House of Delegates and the positions voiced by now Governor Gary Northam. Also, each of these men, these past few governors, had complete authority over the public educational system within the Commonwealth, and they controlled the curricula used, and they instituted their own personal ideologies which would guide the children of Virginia for 16 years. That would bring a child from first grade through university training. Five days a week, seven hours a day. Do you think that this agenda, the Marxist ideology, had any influence on the state of Virginia? Northam, if you recall, described in detail how he would handle the literal murder of newborns on public radio. While it caused a small momentary stir, it was truly a total disgrace whether the public heard the grisly minutiae presented or not. 
It revealed Northam's cold and calloused approach to life in general, and he did not spare the details. You see, Northam is a medical doctor, but highly immoral and unethical. His political views expressed the utter depravity of the democratic American Marxist ideology that had permeated our nation. This man sat in the governor's chair in Virginia for four years, a complete moral reprobate. Northam had nothing in common with his forebears, Patrick Henry, James Monroe, or Thomas Nelson. When you consider the vision and moral strength of character, he had nothing to stand on. And then somehow you have Tim Kaine, the known and committed Marxist, managed to be elected as governor, and how he did it, I don't know. It did not seem to matter that his alliances to Marxism were well documented. Kaine made one of the most foolish statements a man in his position could ever make. He let it be known that America created slavery. Also, he ran for vice president on Hillary Clinton's presidential ticket. That should tell you and me enough. Two peas in a pod. An Alinsky Marxist and a Soviet hammer and sickle Marxist seeking to run the United States of America to rule. Now ask Mr. Kane about his close ties to Jose Reyes Mata, or even his ongoing relationship with Padre Melo in the Latin American communism that is now pushing to redistribute land throughout Latin America. He embraces these guys. And he is a strong supporter of the Students for a Democratic Society and the Weatherman Underground. You know, the group that was headed by Bill Ayers that attempted to blow up the U.S. State Department in Washington. Tim Kaine is a failure and should never have held any public office due to his communistic sympathy. Yet, today he sits as a United States Senator in Washington, D.C. This guy's not for America. He does not love this nation. And he is no patriot. His leanings have long been for the revolution. The revolution that Barack Obama longed for during his college days and still chases. Kane longs for another nation, one that is not ruled by capitalism or that embraces free market economy. He wants another place. He wishes to fundamentally change America. Terry McAuliffe was co-chairman of Bill Clinton's 1996 re-election campaign, chairman of the Democratic National Committee from 2001 to 2005 and chairman of Hillary Clinton's 2008 presidential campaign. But it's no secret that McAuliffe entered the governor's mansion due to his relationship with, with corrupt Bill and Hillary. His loss is a welcome close to the Clinton influence in American politics. People are honestly worn out by the Clinton. They're tired of Terry McAuliffe and shocked at the incredible influx of Marxism into the American school system. Finally, they're beginning to see Terry McAuliffe is a Marxist leftist. He's not a moderate, a sympathetic liberal, or even a decent Democrat. He is a Marxist and one unworthy of any consideration of leadership. He is not for America. Then you have Glenn Youngkin who shows up. And he proved to be the antithesis of all things left. But let's hold back for a moment. The fact is that people are fickle, and we are dealing with reality as well as the nature of man. On top of that, we're talking politics. And we live in a day where people do not blush easily, and shame is heaped upon the righteous and not upon the deviants. Now, with this sort of mentoring in government, how do you think the educational system was governed in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Do you think Tim Kaine did a good job? How about Mark Warner? He admitted that he was against people of the Christian faith, pro-lifers, homeschoolers, and NRA members, saying that they were threatening to what it means to be an American. How do you think he stood regarding education? Sure. All the politicians want to throw money at education, makes them look good. But they never address the ideology that is being promoted. 
neither Warner, Kane, McDonald, McCulloch, or Northam would dare to alter the direction of the AFT and the NETA. It would be political suicide for them. McCulloch wanted the public schools, and he said this, to embrace critical race theory in order to re-engineer attitudes and belief systems. That, my friend, is a Marxist attitude being fully expressed. During the election, McCulloch lied about his support of critical race theory. He denied any knowledge of critical race theory. Yet it was Terry McCulloch who instituted and insisted upon critical race theory being taught in the public schools. And this is undeniable. This is part of the platform that he supported as governor in Virginia. Now, do you think that these governors supported the pedagogical principles that encourage our kids to learn how to think? Or were they more interested in teaching them what to think? There are real questions that need to be answered. But we have to ask the right questions. Do you understand what it means when somebody rejects sound doctrine? It means that they embrace and uphold and support bad doctrine. Oh, doctrine, that sounds religious, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, as your child sits in school, they are being instructed in doctrine. Doctrine simply means teaching. The question is, what are they teaching in principle? And how are they teaching? That is what pedagogy is all about. How do you go about instilling these ideas into the minds of the youth? What we're seeing take place regarding CRT and the turmoil it is creating is a belated response to what has been being taught for well over 100 years. You need to go back to Horace Mann and John Dewey to understand these things. One election cycle in Virginia is not going to alter the national education agenda. It's far easier to deceive a man than it is to convince him that he's been thoroughly deceived. Mark Twain taught us that. And particularly when this deception has occurred over a lifetime and includes millions of others. When this happens, you have the crowd effect and the support. How can you be wrong when so many agree with you? Okay. Then how is Germany wrong when Adolf Hitler came to the fore and ruled the nation? Billions of Germans supported Hitler. And he rocked the world, didn't he? Yeah. Imagine what Jesus Christ was up against. No, I'm not comparing any politician with Jesus Christ. Be reasonable and think your way through this. Youngkin has said some good things and seems to lean towards a conservative approach to government. Campaigning, however, is totally different from government, obviously. And it's when one takes a seat in the state house that the long grind begins and the reality of his convictions and principles are displayed. What motivates this man? What will push him forward? Is he for the people of Virginia? Or does he have his own particular political agenda? Will he govern well? Well, he's been successful in business. He's achieved a great deal in life. He's financially set. Seems to have fixed intellectual position. Is part of an evangelical body of Christians and seems to have solid family values. These things are all good. But will he govern well? Let's pray that he does. He won an overwhelming victory against tremendous odds. He stood and withstood a multitude of attacks, and he did not wilt in the heat of battle. He articulated his position well, which means he has clear thinking. He supports American values, unlike his opponents. 
He is not a Marxist. And this being the case, he's going to be facing a great deal of resistance in the days to come. He is going to be fighting against American Marxism. And we can't fail the man by failing to pray and support him. And yes, November 3rd was a day to be encouraged by. Virginia stood up and spoke loud and clear. The voice of real America was elevated above the constant noise, lies, and confusion the Marxists love to employ. Let's not be silent any longer. Lord, let us see the enemy. This podcast is my only way of shouting, and I'm doing all I know how to do. How about you? Me? I have to sit on my hands to keep from clapping. Yes, indeed, I'm excited. This is Frank Doss with Vintage Broadcasting. We do appreciate your participation in listening to our broadcast. We hope that it benefits you in some way and that you'll continue listening in the days to come.